If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open it to Luke chapter 4. That's where we're going to be. Luke chapter 4. This is the manifesto of Jesus. We will be reading from verse 14 up until verse 30. So that's Luke chapter 4, verses 14 to verse 30. This is quite an important section of Luke's gospel because we... Right there, get the mission of Jesus. He outlines for us uh, his manifesto. So if you're joining us on Zoom, uh, please turn there, Luke chapter uh, 4, verses 14, uh, till about verse uh, 30. I'm just going to give you a moment to turn there as I adjust my uh, stand as well. I'm going to read for us. Uh, Luke chapter 4, it reads as follows. And Jesus uh, returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, uh, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, And he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. Listen to these words. Um, They are a prophecy of Isaiah uh, that that, uh, Jesus reads. Uh, The spirit of the Lord, this is from uh, Isaiah 61. Uh, The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovering of, the, of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the, the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll um, and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogues were fixed on him. He began to say to them, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing, and all spoke well of them and marveled at, uh, and, at the gracious words Uh, that were coming from his mouth. And they said, Is not this uh, Joseph's son? And he said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What we have had you you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, Truly, I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. but But in truth I tell you, There were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land, and Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, uh, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When they heard these things in the synagogue, they were filled with wrath, and they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, uh, so that they would throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. This is the word of the Lord. 
Praise be to God indeed. We're going to read um, a story of Jesus. We're going through um, a series. Uh, we titled it Certainty. Uh, and the reason behind that is if you look at chapter 1, verse 4 of Luke's gospel, uh, Luke tells us, the author Luke tells Theophilus, uh, the guy he's writing to, that he's writing these things concerning Jesus uh, so that he may have certainty of the things that were taught to him, that he may have certainty of who Jesus is, uh, what he came to, to do, uh, and um, the fact that Christianity, um, that um, this Christian message that Theophilus had come to believe um, was something true and something real. Uh, now today we find ourselves in chapter 4 as Jesus, after his temptation, is launched uh, or starts off his ministry with this manifesto. He tells us uh, all that his ministry is about. And I want to speak to us this evening uh, on the topic of freedom, um, because this uh, topic of freedom is really uh, the summary of the message of Jesus and what he has come to do. Uh, it comes from a section in Isaiah's, uh, Isaiah's prophecy um, uh, towards the, the end of Isaiah. He prophesies a time where this king from David's line will come and once again uh, give freedom to his people, freedom from exile. Um, exile was a physical uh, detachment of God's people from uh, their place. Uh, so that's where we pick it up. And I want to uh, pick up uh, freedom as something that we all long for. Uh, so that's the first thing, uh, as something that the Christian story provides for us. Uh, so you will never find freedom elsewhere uh, apart from the Christian story and the message of Jesus. Uh, and then just wanting to end the evening in thinking about our lives and, and how we experience that freedom. Uh, so um, that's where we're going to go. Freedom, the fact that we all long for it. Uh, the Christian story gives us the best answer, um, if not the only answer, to our quest for freedom. Uh, and lastly, um, we're going to look at how, how do we experience that freedom? What does it look like in my life um, if I'm a Christian and if you're joining us and you're not a Christian to discover how you yourself can taste uh, and experience this freedom? Uh, so I'm just going to pray for us, and then we're going to dive in in today's message. So please bow your heads um, as our leaders. Father God, thank you for the gift that, gifts that you've given to the church. Uh, thank you that you are growing your kingdom uh, through those gifts. Uh, I thank you so much for uh, the music team, the sound team, uh, the AV team, um, your people gathering here today um, to hear from you. Lord, there's so many things happening in the Christian space, and I hope that tonight it's not um, a sermon where we'd go away and say, wow, like that was fantastic, or wow, that was boring. <laughs> but I pray that it will make us reflect on our lives, uh, that our lives would change because of your word, that we would remember that above all, Jesus is king, uh, and that we would respond to his kinship. So open our hearts and our, uh, our minds to receive from him. Uh, this we pray in his name and for our good. Amen. Amen. Um, so I was watching a Netflix movie, as one does, and the other day. Uh, the movie is called White Tiger. How many of you have seen that movie? Okay, maybe one or two uh, of you. It's based on a 2008 um, book. 
um, that is of the same title, White Tiger. You know those people who say the book is better? Um, I haven't read the whole book, but when I, I read through the uh, uh, extract of uh, this particular scene I saw in the movie, I was like, in fact, the book is better because it explains uh, vividly what happens. Anyway, this movie, uh, I'm not going to spoil it to you. Everyone dies at the end, so... Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, not, not really. Um, but this movie is set up in India, uh, and if you know anything about the Indian uh, way of life, uh, you'd know that um, there's this system called the caste system. Uh, and what the caste system does is that it ranks people from the least to the greatest. And in this movie, we have a, a, a great depiction of that, uh, of this guy who grows up in a, as a servant, as one of the lower castes, uh, and basically is reflecting on uh, how stark he is as a slave to the, um, the higher, higher ranks. Uh, so unlike corporate essay, in the caste system, you never get out of the, um, the, that system. You can never work your way up uh, to become uh, successful because the system uh, keeps you poor. It keeps you uh, enslaved. One of my most uh, favorite scenes uh, is that of, uh, as the narrator, this guy, um, uh, explains to us, and he uses a picture of a rooster cage. Uh, and you can see the camera uh, zooming in, uh, this guy on, on, at the market selling roosters. They're all stacked up in cages. Uh, and he tells us uh, that one of the greatest inventions in India in, in the last 10,000 years is the rooster cage. Uh, hundreds of brightly colored roosters are stacked up in this mesh um, uh, cages. Uh, he says that they stuff tightly into this thing, pushing each other, uh, struggling uh, to just breathe. Um, they are pecking each other, pooping on each other, um, and there's this horrible stench. And as you look next to the rooster um, cage, there's a butcher there chopping their heads off. Uh, and you see the movie, uh, in the movie, they're showing you the heads falling off, and the uh, roosters in the cage kind of um, uh, worried and concerned. Uh, and he says that those roosters can see what's happening. They can smell the blood and see all the organs um, lying around, but they can never escape. They never rebel. Uh, they never try to um, just come up together. Gents, let's come up together, uh, because that's going to be uh, the end of us. Um, they do not rebel. And he says, such is the nature of slavery in this country. Uh, such is the nature of um, how slaves are brought up in this country um, to remain slaves. And then you see a scene of this guy in a bicycle. I think they call them rickshaws. Um, uh, and on his back, he's carrying expensive furniture and he's transporting it to his master. And he says, um, the, the narrator says, this guy carries uh, this furniture on his back. Uh, that furniture is worth two years of his salary, but he will return every single rupee of that money to his master. Never will any a slave take any money from their master. And he asks the question, is it because they are spiritual people? And he says, well, no. It's because all of us are stuck in this rooster cage. You see, if you rebel, they know where your family stays and they can go either to torture them um, or to kill them. Uh, so you're stuck in this uh, system of family, uh, trustworthiness, knowing your place in society, uh, and you can never 
um, get out of that. He says that the trustworthiness of a servant is so strong that you can put the key of emancipation in a man's hand, uh, but he'd rather throw it back at you and cast at you uh, than, uh, than claim his freedom. Uh, what a vivid picture of slavery and how dehumanizing slavery is. Um, I think for me as I watched that, it was such a powerful, it's a one-minute um, uh, clip on the movie, um, but you can go either watch the movie or read, uh, read the book. Um, I think the dehumanizing thing, being created in God's image, um, the dehumanizing thing about slavery is that not only are you uh, in a rooster cage, but you can't get out. Um, you don't have the power or the will um, to get out. You are powerless uh, to free yourself. And I think the reason why the Bible uses the concept of slavery to explain sin uh, is because of that. Uh, one of the things sin does is it enslaves us. Um, if you're new to the church or you're joining us uh, on Zoom um, and you wonder what sin is, perhaps you've heard the word. Uh, sin is simply wanting freedom uh, from God. Uh, and the thing that happens when we want freedom uh, from God is uh, we don't know that we enslave ourselves uh, to a more gruesome master, uh, which is sin. Uh, we are stuck in this rooster cage, and we cannot rebel. We don't want to rebel. Uh, one of the things about uh, this movie, as it progresses, uh, it gets to a point where this man is interacting with his, his master, and he's like, do we love, the, do we love, do we hate our masters um, behind the veneer of love, or do we love our masters behind the veneer of love? Um, he ref- reflects on his situation, and he finds himself loving his master uh, because he's stuck in that system. Um, our system of sin, uh, one of the most um, enslaving thing about sin uh, is that you and I love it. Um, we love being in that, um, in that rooster cage. Um, why is it that sometimes you see somebody going through something, um, something that you know uh, ends up complicating their lives, um, yet we find ourselves again and again uh, in that same sin. Again and again, you've seen perhaps your friends struggling with pornography and where that leads them, uh, perhaps in their own lives as Christians or in their own marriages, um, but we are enslaved to, uh, to that thing. Uh, the, the very thought that this thing is destructive and I'm going to perhaps end up with my head on the block um, does not stop us from engaging we love our encased um, situation. We love being stuck in that rooster cage. On the other side of uh, the highway in Rustenburg, uh, we have a saying, um, and we say, I'm going to say it in Tswana because I just love hearing uh, my language, and then I'm going to translate it to you. Ne? Uh, so it says that, Budiba jobujileng wanamaho, ubufeta. Um, the, the ditch that your brother fell into, when you go past it, please remember to go around it and not fall in the same cage. What a powerful saying of the Tuanas. Yet you and I, every now and again in our Christian lives, uh, we find ourselves falling into the same sins uh, that our brothers fell into. We find ourselves struggling with the same sins over and over again, and almost feeling uncertain 
that we are even Christian. Uh, perhaps in this lockdown, that's where you were, uh, stuck in your own sin and wondering, am I even a believer? Is this Jesus uh, real? Uh, Paul describes it in this way in Romans chapter 7. Uh, he says, I'm of the flesh, sold under sin, sold as a slave to sin, for I do not understand my own action, for I do not, I do, not do what I want what I want, but I do everything I hate. For I know what, uh, that, that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right. Have you ever been in that place where you want to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out? Uh, that is a picture of slavery. For verse 19 of chapter 7, I do, for, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do, I do not want is what I keep on doing. Um, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, uh, but I can bet many of us go through the tension, don't we? Um, the things that we want to do versus what we end up doing. Uh, the things that we don't want to do versus what we end up doing. I don't want to be stuck in the same place and being addicted to alcohol, uh, but now and again I find myself using it um, as a crutch. I've seen what uh, living the Instagram life and spending on uh, expensive meals that cream does to my budget and to my wallet. But man, I have to, I have to show up appearances. I have to keep up appearances. So on and on, I'm going to continue to do that. Can somebody say amen if you've ever been there? Because that's all of us who have been in there. Um, that's the slavery that sin uh, has in our lives. We see the deception of sin. We see the danger of it and where we're going to end up, uh, but our passions enslave us. Somebody um, in a book, I forgot which book, um, says this. Um, they say that we, we don't often drift towards goodness. We don't often drift towards uh, wanting good things. Why is that? We drift towards compromise and call it tolerance, we drift towards obedience and call it freedom, disobedience rather, and we call it freedom. We drift towards superstition and call it faith. We cherish the uh, indiscipline of lost self-control and call it relaxation. We slouch toward prayerlessness and delude ourselves into thinking we have escaped legalism. We slide towards godlessness and convince ourselves that we have been liberated. Um, our slavery to sin is powerful, it's dehumanizing, uh, because it robs us of the image of God. What is the image of God? Being representatives of God in this world. Um, it robs us of living that life, the life that God has intended for us. But the God of the Christian story, can somebody say, but God... Those are the most powerful words in the Bible, isn't it? Um, my most favorite, one of my most favorite uh, letters, epistles, is Ephesians, and it's divided into two parts. Uh, and those words, but God, um, divide, um, divide um, the book for us. But God, the God of the Christian story, enters into human history and comes to liberate us. And that's what we come to see in chapter 4. As Jesus steps into the scene, uh, just a brief story there. Uh, he um, grows up in this small town uh, called uh, Nazareth. 
Uh, we can see that in verse 16, Nazareth was a small, insignificant town like uh, Nelspreit or <laughs> Polokwani or Tanin, you, you name it. Um, small and insignificant, Jesus grows up there uh, up until a ripe age. Um, and these people know him. Uh, he probably grew up around them, uh, probably played soccer with them, uh, left wing. And some of them might have remembered that he wasn't so good on the left wing. Uh, in fact, they uh, um, uh, relegated him to be water boy. Um, and they're like, oh, that's that guy. We heard that he's been performing miracles. Because what Jesus did is that he left his uh, hometown to go to a place called uh, Galilee. And he becomes a, a famous uh, miracle worker. So this is the homecoming. Uh, this guy is... Uh, has become famous, and they give him an opportunity. Hey, come, come uh, teach at the synagogue. Uh, come share a, a word or two uh, with, uh, with uh, the people. Now, something I find interesting is that none of the gospel stories mention the early life of Jesus. Uh, so they, they don't tell us much of what happened in those early years, and they focus mainly uh, on uh, him starting uh, his ministry. Let's look at verse 16. And he came to Nazareth uh, where he had been brought up. And as, he, as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Uh, Sabbath day was on a Saturday uh, and Jews would gather in these places called synagogues. Uh, synagogues were uh, places where they could come worship and read uh, the scriptures together. Uh, and he stood up to read. Uh, so he's given an opportunity uh, to read, imagine those old men and young men from the village. Um, is it a village? Yeah, I think it, it is. Um, it would count as a village of Nazareth. Uh, and he gets up to read and notice uh, what he reads, uh, verse 17. And the scroll of prophet Isaiah was uh, given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. Uh, listen to these powerful words uh, from Isaiah the, the prophet. Uh, notice the theme of freedom that comes um, uh, through uh, in, this, um, in this poem. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Um, one of the things to notice is the Spirit is quite active in the ministry of Jesus, alerting us to the fact that God is bringing about His plans in the life of Jesus. Chapter 4, verse 1, we see the Spirit uh, leading Him into the wilderness. Uh, verse 14, we see Him returning in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And then now he talks about his uh, appointment, that the Spirit has appointed him. Um, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You see, they outlined for us the mission um, of Jesus. Um, the words there to proclaim good news is actually one word, uh, meaning to evangelize. Um, and when we think of evangelize, we think of a preacher. If you've ever been to on a metro rail uh, train, we used to be on one of those in, in Cape Town, and there would be a guy preaching the gospel. So we have religious um, connotations when we think of evangelism. Um, but it was a, quite a political thing. Evangelism, the word comes from, um, from this concept of a marathon runner uh, who comes 
from a battle to announce that the battle has been won, um, that, um, that something is about to change. There's a new world order. Uh, there's a new way of doing things. There's a new king in town right now. Um, we have won uh, the victory. So in other words, as Jesus comes proclaiming good news or evangelizing, uh, all that he's saying is that something politically um, radical has happened. Uh, the kingdom of God has taken place. Um, the kingdom of God is political, but not in the way you and I think of uh, being political. Uh, the kingdom of God grows small, but it impacts how societies run. Uh, when King Jesus uh, is in place, um, societies uh, change and transform. Uh, so this word to gospel meant that the king is here, and it was an announcement uh, of his king, uh, kingdom coming. The poor there, uh, and one commentator who comments on Isaiah says, uh, the poor are the downtrodden, the disadvantaged, those who are held back from progress and betterment by people or circumstances, uh, those who are who the poor are. The recovering of sight to the blind, one of the things that Hebrew poetry does is that it puts lines side by side. Uh, so you'll see there uh, the first line, or two lines, saying two things, um, but they actually mean the same thing. Okay, so have a look at uh, verses verses uh, 18b with me. He has sent me to proclaim liberty um, to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are being oppressed. So that's one big idea of emancipation from some form of slavery. Um, and this idea of the recovering of sight, the literal word means the opening, the wide opening to the bound. Uh, so the wide opening of eyes can either mean literal um, eye opening. So we see that in the Gospels as Jesus touches men and they receive physical sight. Uh, but what we see in Isaiah, it's the, the, the fact that the term connotes more somebody who is in a prison, a deep dungeon, uh, and that person is liberated. Um, it's as if their eyes are opened. Uh, they receive freedom uh, to see once again. So it's a metaphor that cuts both ways. Uh, as you see Jesus healing a blind man in one of the stories. So this is Jesus' manifesto saying the king is here. Freedom. Uh, remember Sarafina, freedom is coming tomorrow. But this freedom is come today. It is here. It is now. It is in the person of Jesus Christ. And three stories that give us a picture of what that freedom looks like in Luke's gospel. Uh, because anytime the Bible claims something, you need to see how uh, it explains it. Okay, so scripture interprets scripture. So don't come and bring your own idea of uh, freedom into the scripture. Amen. Um, we see Jesus going about healing or freeing those who are demon-possessed. And that's one of the big freedoms that Jesus gives uh, in, um, uh, you see when you're wearing a smartwatch, you need to sometimes uh, look at the time. <laughs> I, I got it. I got it for free. So, um, so you see um, in the later chapters, Jesus healing those who are possessed by demons. 
And the reason behind that is for, it, for the king to come and claim his place as rightful king. He needs to dethrone other kings. Uh, and that's why he has to dethrone the power of evil. Because the power of evil is like that butcher who's busy chopping up our heads next to the rooster cage. We're stuck in that cage, and the power of evil has enslaved us to our own desires. We have handed over, if you read the story of Genesis, uh, our, our freedom as image-bearing people uh, to the power of evil. Therefore, Jesus has to loosen us and give us freedom from that. The other thing is our own sinfulness. One of the ways that uh, Luke's gospel describes to us freedom is the forgiveness of sins. Uh, the thing that stands between us and God, not only did we give our power to uh, the, the dark spiritual forces, uh, the, the kingdom of darkness, but we said no. We wanted freedom from God, and God granted that to us and broke our relationship. That broke our relationship with, uh, with him. And one of the things that Jesus does is that he comes to restore our relationship uh, to God. One of the ways we see that, um, because if you read commentaries, you discover that this, this Theophilus guy is quite a, a, a rich guy. Um, he's a wealthy man. Um, he lives in a society of wealthy people. He lives in a society where the religious and the political um, guys who are in power use their power to oppress others. That's one of the ways that sin has an effect on us. Not only is sin personal, but sin, is also, sin also impacts society. And one of the things that we see Jesus freeing people from, if you read Luke chapter 19, we're going to look at it in the next coming weeks, we see him freeing people from the power that money has over their lives. We see from time to time again that Luke uses this word poor to refer both to those who are spiritually poor those who are downtrodden, and those who are of a meek spirit. But we see him also using it uh, to refer to materially poor people. Uh, and we see that in the gospel, those who are materially poor are also spiritually poor because they have had to depend on others. Uh, they don't, they're not self-sufficient. Uh, those are the ones that are readily available to receive this king. But you see the religious, especially in our chapter, rejecting our king. So three things that uh, Jesus gives freedom to. First, the kingdom of darkness. Two, our own sinful desires and our own sin. He offers us forgiveness and brings us into his family. We see him saying to this man, um, Zacchaeus in chapter 19, you are a child of Abraham. He welcomes him, uh, a sinner that he was, uh, and this man comes in and has a relationship with God, his relationship with God restores. And get, guess what happens uh, to this man? He repents of his sins, and he says, yeah, I know I've robbed guys. I know I've been part of systems that rob people. We take more than we actually need. But today, I'm going to give all that I have stolen. I'm going to give it away uh, twice what I've stolen. And I'm going to give half of my possessions to the poor. As the nature of repentance that we see, as Jesus frees somebody from the power that wealth has in their heart. They are freed to repent. Um, that's what Jesus does. Um, one commentator says, salvation is neither otherworldly nor merely future. So salvation is not just 
that you die and go to heaven uh, or that it's going to come in the future, but it embraces, yes, salvation is uh, that we're going to be restored in the future, we're going to be saved in the future, but it's not just that. It embraces life in the present. Right now, you can experience the freedom that Jesus uh, has come to offer you. Amen. It, it embraces life in the presence, present, restoring the integrity of human life, revitalizing human communities, setting the cosmos in order. That is our world, a world that is in rebellion against God, the world that wanted to uh, order itself apart from God. Um, it sets the cosmos in order and commissioning the community of God's people to put God's grace into practice amongst themselves to what an ever-widening circles of others. Uh, that is the salvation we see uh, in Luke's gospel. Um, and I think it's vertical, so it begins with God, being restored with God, but it has to translate to life. It has to translate in how you and I live our everyday life. And I think the question that you should be asking yourself is, how then do we experience that freedom? We are about to um, end our time together. And I hope that if you're on Zoom, you, are, you have questions that you are typing out. Uh, if you are sitting here, we're going to end it off uh, in a question and answer session. But the last thing that we want to see is, how do we experience this freedom? How do you and I experience this freedom? Um, well, I want you to... Um, Look at verse 28. Uh, because how we respond to this king, Jesus, will determine how we experience the freedom that he's come to offer. Uh, how we respond to Jesus determines um, how we experience the freedom that he uh, has come to offer. Verse 28, when they had these things, all the synagogue, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath, and those and they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they, would, they could throw him down the cliff. Um, so we see here Jesus saying to these people, I've come to give you freedom. And they think to themselves, isn't this Joseph's son? Uh, you see that in the text. Isn't this that guy, that guy, the ball, ball boy? Surely he can't be saying that he's come to bring us uh, liberation. Because in their mind, he was actually talking, this is political language, uh, but the kingdom of God doesn't come with swords and uh, taking over the Roman government. It comes in a different way, but no doubt it is political. What Jesus comes to do is he comes to rearrange societies. Uh, and it comes as the hearts of men are transformed. And these people who are sitting in front of him, these religious guys uh, who were waiting for the Messiah, would think to themselves, Shucks, is this guy for real? Is he about to bring us the freedom that God has promised us? Uh, and then he anticipates what they think he and says to them, well, you guys are not going to receive it. It is those who are outside. Just like in the times of the Old Testament prophets, it is those who are unlikely, uh, those who are outside the kingdom of God, who are readily available to embrace the kingdom. It's often people who think that they're broken, who know that they're broken, uh, who come and say, free us. And the opposite of that is true. If you don't think that you are enslaved to anything, you will never respond to the message that Jesus offers, the message um, of freedom. Luke gives us a, um, how do you call it? A, 
a remedy to that. Um, he gives us a way we should respond time and time again. There are three things that we, you and I should do. When oh, The first thing is that we should hear. Hear the message of King Jesus. Um, we hear that through a sermon, through Bible studies. Um, as we read through it, one-to-ones, um, one as you meet with somebody uh, of the same gender, uh, we emphasize that, amen. Um, to read together God's word um, and to allow it to challenge you, to allow it to break you uh, and for you to come to the realization that you need a savior. So number one here, number two, turn. Uh, repentance means you are going one direction, you are focused in uh, on your desires um, to your sin and you turn away from that. Um, people say 360 degrees. <laughs> That's actually going to the same direction. <laughs> 180 degrees. Um, opposite the direction that you're going. And God empowers us and enables us to do that. We hear the gospel, the message that Jesus is king. We turn and we believe. This is an initial step. If you are not a Christian, you can take the step. Tonight you can come chat to any of us. Um, you can chat to Reggie or myself. Um, to 10. So that's an initial step, uh, but that's also uh, an ongoing life of a Christian. Hearing the gospel, turning away from our, go- the, from, from our sin to embrace Jesus as King, and then believing uh, that He has the good life for us. Our sin is not going to offer us the good stuff. Life is found in Him. I just want to leave you with three questions. Um, if Luke encourages us to hear, to turn, to believe. Um, are you in places where you are hearing the word? Are you putting yourself in situations where you are hearing the word? Can I encourage you to um, chat to Reggie? I saw Rafa around. He's one of our life group leaders. Um, not one of, he is the life group leader. Chat to him about uh, joining a life group where you will hear uh, the word. Come to church and join us um, um, as we go through Luke's gospel. Um, on our website, there's a 30-day devotional, and I think you can still start that. Um, 30-day devotional that looks at Luke's gospel uh, and has a response prayer. Uh, so put yourself in positions where you can hear the word. Is there sin? The second question I want to ask you. Is there a sin in your life that you are currently turning away from it? Or is it that when you hear the message of the gospel being preached, are you thinking, shucks, I think so-and-so needs to hear this. I wish they were here. I think very often Christians, um, the more we read the Bible, the more we think that it's for others. Uh, And the more we think it's for others, the more we become blind to our own sin uh, and our need for repentance. Uh, So is there a sin that you are currently repenting of? Can I encourage you to talk to somebody, um, a lady if you are a lady, a guy if you are a guy, uh, and just confess your sins to them uh, and let them know um, that this is the sin that you are currently repenting of? Uh, The last thing is, is there something uh, in your behavior that um, shows that you haven't believed an aspect of the gospel? Um, So if you are caught in a rut of trying to look for likes on 
social media. It seems like a small thing, doesn't it? But it's big. Um, it means that there's something that you're not believing about who God says you are. Um, I mentioned that because that's a, that, I think, is the problem for all of us, or many of us. Uh, so I don't think I'm um, taking anybody um, or, or, or talking to somebody in particular. I think all of us long for um, to be liked. I think all of us get use our money to accumulate stuff and we become less generous because we want to, um, um, others to see us. We want others to see that we've made it um, because perhaps we're not believing uh, that Jesus has come to bring us into his kingdom. He gives us acceptance. That is the most powerful thing you see in the life of that man, Zacchaeus. He's accepted, and because he's accepted, nothing else matters in this world. But the very king of the world, the only person who actually matters, says to you, you are loved. What more do you need to hear? I'm going to pray for us as we end of our time together, as we get into um, a question and answer uh, section. So um, I hope that you have your questions. Please bow your heads um, as I lead us uh, in prayer. Father, one of the hymns says, you break the power of counseled sin. Uh, You rescue um, our soul from sin's oppression. Uh, And many a times, Lord, we are stuck in this rut where we think, uh, man, it feels like we are less Christian because of our struggles. I pray for a believer tonight. Um, I pray for their struggles, uh, that you would help them taste uh, your freedom, the freedom that you've already achieved for for them, uh, to remind them that they are free of their sin. Uh, to help them and enable them to walk in the freedom that you have attained for them. I pray for somebody who's not a believer who might be joining in, who has sought freedom from you. I pray that uh, they would come to realize uh, that uh, freedom can only be found in you, um, a loving master, uh, that they would come and submit to the Lord Jesus. I pray for our hearts to uh, long for your kingdom to come, for societies to be transformed, uh, for hearts to be changed. Um, We look at gender-based violence, uh, corruption in our country, that your kingdom would come in such a real way, uh, that people who are listening in would go into their workplace uh, and live out the freedom that you've achieved, that others will be drawn to you. Uh, We pray this in Jesus' name and for our good. Amen.